Welcome to the PCA Power of Positive podcast powered by Tapivo. I'm Jason Sachs, PCA's Vice President for Business Development and Philanthropy. Thanks to Tapivo for the support of this podcast series. Tapivo is a new platform that is America's youth sport directory. You can use Tapivo to find, review, and back youth sports programs near you. To learn more about Tapivo, visit tapivo.com. Today's guest on the podcast is the head coach for the DePaul women's soccer team, Aaron Chastain. After a standout collegiate career at the University of Minnesota, Chastain started her college coaching career as an assistant at Northwestern University, followed by a stint at Santa Clara University before getting the head coach job at DePaul in 2007. Chastain has led the Blue Demons to a Big East regular season and tournament championship, as well as an NCAA tournament berth in 2014. In this episode, we talk Women's World Cup, tips for youth soccer coaches and parents, and dive into some college recruiting talk. Enjoy this week's Power of Positive podcast with Aaron Chastain. Welcome to the PCA Power of Positive podcast. This is Jason Sachs with Aaron Chastain, the head coach of the DePaul women's soccer team. Aaron, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's dive right in for those uh, that might not know you. Let's in 60 seconds give them the Aaron Chastain soccer file, where you're from, where you played growing up, and your coaching stops, and now being here at DePaul for the last 10, 11 years? Or 13 years. 13 years now. 13 so, years. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your background. All right, well, I grew up in Minneapolis. I played soccer at the University of Minnesota from 93 to 97, um, and then got my first coaching job in 01 at Northwestern University as an assistant for Marsha McDermott, and was there for a couple years, and then had the opportunity to go to Santa Clara University and continue coaching um, as an assistant there and I was there for five years and then finally got a chance to be a head coach at DePaul in 07 and so came out to DePaul and and have been here as the head coach ever since so um, certainly a couple stops along the way as an assistant and and now getting the opportunity to, to run my own program. It's great. You, you mentioned Marsha McDermott, um, a fellow PCA National Advisory Board member, and then Jerry Smith, a fellow PCA National Advisory Board member. So a lot good in common with the coaches that you've coached with. Um, played at Minnesota, but going back even further, growing up, uh, other sports that you played besides soccer? Yeah, I ran track, mm-hmm. I mostly to stay in shape for soccer, right. um, and I played tennis. And then... Um, played soccer and you know it was a lot different I think when I was growing up uh, multi-sports was a lot more common right um but loved my experience doing other sports and still get to play tennis today so I think happy I spent some time (laughs) on the court um yeah and did that in Wyzetta Minnesota and you know soccer just kind of stuck yeah when you uh you mentioned that soccer was a lot different then or or Youth sports was a lot different then. We all know that. But thinking about you being at Minnesota from 94, 97, that range, what was the women's soccer game like? You know, this is sort of two years before the 99ers. So just the state of the game and what did you see as a player at, when you were in college? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was it was still a high level. Right. But certainly there weren't nearly as many Division One programs at the time. So I think um, – 
there there wasn't nearly the parity that there mm-hmm. is today. There there wasn't the volume of programs. Um, there weren't hardly any females running programs, right. although I happen to be fortunate enough to play for a wonderful um, female, Sue Patberg, who's at Emory right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, I think, only 24 when she oh, got wow. that job. So I think it was just a lot a lot different in terms of opportunity. And now we are obviously at a point where we have over 300 Division One programs and there is a lot more parity. And you even see that on the World Cup stage yeah. where, you know, the teams are just so much more competitive because nations are putting a lot more funding into women's soccer. So we're going to get to the World Cup in a second. Um, but we talked about, I mentioned the 99ers. What do you remember about, you know, you would have been just out of college at that point were you still playing or were you just coaching at that point and what do you remember about you know that summer and and that team yeah I mean I remember being at my friend's wedding I was in my friend's wedding um on the day of the final and you know we we were waiting we were watching the game in a basement and waiting um to to go walk down the aisle And then it went to penalty kicks, right. and we were like, well, we, we have to watch this. <laughs> we um, can't start the wedding yet. So we, we ended up actually being able to watch watch it through and then, you know, do our thing. Right. But um, So I just remember that moment being so exciting, not only a packed Rose Bowl stadium, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the gravity of just winning in a PK shootout and 90-degree weather and um, – everyone mainstream America kind of going crazy for that, I think was a great moment for women's soccer and women's sports in general. Um, so, so I remember that really well. Um, I, I wasn't playing soccer anymore at that time. You know, I think the, the professional league hadn't started yet. So really if we wanted to play after we graduated, we would have had to go overseas. Overseas, And so, um, I, I wasn't even coaching at that point. I think I was working in advertising in Minneapolis. It was like a short one-year <laughs> right. stint until I decided I missed you realize soccer that wasn't, too much. Right, yeah. Um, you know, when you think about the the 99ers and, you know, PCA had an event with Mia, Brandy, and Julie, and we had a youth soccer clinic, and, you know, we had kids that were under the age of 10, and, you know, they were still were going crazy for – the three of them, you know, so that lasting impact and you have daughters. Um, what is the, now the current world cup team and, you know, basically how into soccer are your daughters and, you know, or even as a college coach, when you are recruiting girls, like what do you, the, the national team, the impact that it's had on, you know, some of the girls that you have, that have played for you or your own daughters, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a tremendous impact on, on our college team, on my daughters. Um, certainly my daughters, you know, know Brandy because right. she's my sister-in-law. So I think um, they've been able to have some special experiences yeah. with the current national team just because of Brandy. Right. I mean, yeah. my husband took Harper to St. Louis for one of the send-off games, mm-hmm. and she got to go down on the field, wow. and she got yeah. to – take a picture with Julie Ertz and yeah. you know she wore her soccer jersey to school on Tuesday for yeah. the opening of of the USA playing so I think um they look up to those women as role models and they're watching what they're doing and um certainly love watching them compete um and then from collegiately I think our our girls watch a lot of soccer and yeah. not only the national team but the NWSL and the right. Chicago Red Stars and so I think um they're certainly following 
those women and aspire to be like them and in ways whether it's on or off the field yeah and you have a lot of former players that are playing in the nwsl right we do um we have sarah gordon's playing for the red stars kelly hubley plays for the portland thorns and then we have quite a few that are playing overseas um so certainly love to see them be able to continue with soccer for a period of time after college is done yeah when you're watching the world cup in in progress now as a coach how do you watch the game i mean are you watching as a coach are you watching as a fan are there things that you're keeping note of that you want to bring up to your team or how how do you how do you see yourself watching it yeah i think both as a fan and as a coach i think it's fun to watch the different styles i think it's fun to pick out certain players that are playing at such a high level that you think, oh, I, I need to look for a player like that on the recruiting trail mm. um, or looking at different adjustments that coaches are making and and what that looks like or looking at the spirit of a team right. um, and saying, you know, that just looks like a fun team to be a part of. I, I mean, I think watching France in their opener, I mean, what a great occasion for them. They're hosting. And yeah. then I think you could just see after their game ended the unity that that team had. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's more of an appreciation as a fan of right. that seems like a really together team. Yeah. And so that's fun to see. But certainly I think as a fan and a coach and to look at sold out stadiums and yeah. how many people are into the World Cup and, right. and following yeah. it, whether they're have a soccer background or not, I think that's we're just at a different point and it's really exciting. Well, maybe one of the reasons people are talking about the world cup is because the uh, 13 goals that were scored by uh, the U S team in their opening game. And there was a lot of uh, conversation about, um, you know, the celebrations after goals. And so you and I have talked about, you know, how hard it is to score a soccer goal. And so you should definitely celebrate, but um, did it go too far during that opening game with some of the celebrations or even the scoring. I mean, I think scoring I don't think people have a problem with necessarily because of the goal differential, but uh, what about some of the celebrations as the game went on? Yeah, well, first I would say that men or women, we'd be talking about the same right. thing after yeah. a, a 13-0 defeat. Um, what what I would say is I, I totally agree with you. You know, you, you can't let take your foot off the gas yeah. pedal. It's a World Cup. There's goal differential. Those are the rules FIFA makes. Right. So. And, you know, it'd be hard to tell a sub coming in to take her <laughs> right. foot off the gas when she's trying to earn maybe a, a spot, you know, down, sure. down yeah. the road for more playing time. So, you know, credit to the U.S. They had great finishing and, and certainly – Um, put themselves in a great position to win the game by a lot of goals. I do think the celebration in, in my mind didn't resonate with me once we got past a certain (laughs) number of goals. I don't know what number that was, but there was a point in time when I was watching that I kind of cringed. Um, And I just think some of it was a little excessive. I think you should celebrate every goal. I goals are hard. We've talked about that. You mentioned that. Um, But certainly, I think from our veteran players who have been at the World Cup before and our leaders on this team, I I think it was a little excessive. And, you know, they're in the limelight. They are under the microscope. They're going to get critiqued for everything they do. And this is one of those things. But, you know, what I said to my daughters is awesome result for the U.S., awesome start to the tournament, great finishing. But I think at the end of the day, they could have hugged, clapped as it got to 8, 9, 10, 11, right. 12, 13 goals. Yeah. And that would have been enough, and they still would have been able to celebrate that great moment with their team. Yeah. 
Have you been in that situation with as a coach where you're continuing to score and, you know, have you had that conversation with your team or how do you talk about that with your team just in general? Um, I mean, I think we talk about being respectful of opponents. Mm -hmm. We talk about respecting the game. And I think collegiately and at the youth level, we have a little bit more room to alter that situation with the subbing rules that we have. So, you know, the World Cup, you can sub three and we can sub a whole bench of players if we're if the game's getting out of hand. Right. And so I think we did a couple of years ago have a game where we, I think, scored seven or eight goals yeah. and we were able to kind of make some changes substitution-wise that kind of naturally took our foot off the gas a little mm-hmm. bit. So I think that helps. But certainly we talk about respecting opponents. We talk about how how – whatever you do represents yourself. And yeah. so make sure you understand that with any celebration that you would have or anything you're doing on the field that other people can see. And I know you're, you have involvement in youth soccer as well. And so in some of the workshops that PCA does for all sports, we talk about, you know, the, you could be on the winning side or losing side of a blowout game. So what would your advice to be on either side of, you know, if somebody's listening to this that are coaching, you know, U10s and they're up 7 nothing in the second half or they're down 7 nothing, like how can you still get something positive out of that experience? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're up 7 nothing, obviously for me that might be the easier piece. Right. Um, and certainly making some subs as a coach can help that scenario because I don't think anyone's looking to run up a score in a youth right. soccer game. At least I hope they're not. <laughs> right. Um, but certainly I think the message is to stay positive and to, you know, work as hard as you can for that losing team. Right. Um, and, and recognize that it's short term, it's one game, and then you have to turn the page. Yeah. Um, and that's the same for, for yeah. the winning team. You're turning the page after the game and you have a next game and there's yeah. always another opportunity. And what positive spin can we put on it if we lost 8-0? Well, the positive spin might be, you know what, we're going to have a different game plan going forward and, and the next game we have a, a great opportunity to have a close match if we do these things. Yeah, uh, Joe Madden we talked with him last summer and he talked about um the uh they have a rule win for 30 lose for 30 so basically great we just won the game be happy for a half hour but after that like we're moving on and same thing if they lose like you can be upset you could be frustrated but after 30 like it's good there we have a lot of games we can't get hung up on you know one or two or really dwell on something because everything that happens today you know, we need to be ready to come back tomorrow. So. Yeah, I love that. I yeah. love that. We we always talk about short-term memory with our team. And if we miss a chance on goal or we score a goal, it's immediately we're right. turning the page. Because if we score and we're up 1-0, that's great. But let's treat it like it's 0-0 so that we can still play at a high level. And, you know, if we miss a chance, we want to be ready for that next chance. And if we're holding on to it too much, then we're not able to be ready. Let's take a quick break to hear from our presenting sponsor. Thanks to Tapivo for being a great supporter of PCA in this podcast. Remember to learn more about Tapivo, check them out at tapivo.com. For all you soccer fans listening to this episode, make sure you also check out previous episodes with former national team players Brian McBride and Danielle Slayton. Now back to Aaron Chastain. When you think about the popularity of women's soccer, girls' soccer, girls looking up to the national team. There was an article um, where a lot of the current 
national team players were quoted about just you know they're getting parents coming up to them and saying you know how can my daughter be on the national team and and I think Megan Rapino said you know I didn't want to be mean about it but like they're not going to be on the national team. Yeah. But what would your advice, I mean, when you talk to parents at the youth soccer level, you know, what advice is there if, you know, on how to navigate the youth soccer world? Because there's rec programs that quickly turn into travel programs to, you know, things get so competitive so quickly. So how are we, how are parents supposed to navigate that? Well, I think, one, we have to let our children make the choice at, at what they want to do and what they want to spend their time in and embrace. And I, I think we can't throw a sport at them and, and force them to do anything. They're, you know, they have to choose that if they're going to ever be really exceptional at it. So I think parents really have to keep that in mind. Um, I would also say that as parents, we have to keep things in perspective. You yeah. know, if, you're, if your daughter's scoring four goals in a rec soccer game, that's wonderful. But does that mean she's going to be on the national team? <laughs> right. Probably not, <laughs> right. as Megan Rapino kind right. of alluded to, <laughs> which I loved that piece, yeah. that, uh, that quote that she said. Um, so I think it's keep things in perspective, um, give kids opportunities. And, and if they really do like soccer or another sport, I think it's – allow them to do that mm-hmm. and and see where it goes but recognize that it's hard to get a division one scholarship it's right. hard to play professionally that's the elite few does that mean we can't have that as a dream or a goal absolutely not and i think we should allow our children to have those wonderful dreams but as parents we can also keep it in perspective and not live vicariously through the success of of our child athletically right have you what have you seen as a sports parent with your girls i mean have you i mean i think a lot of times i feel like people that have played at a high level get it or that have coached at a level they are a little more um reasonable with expectations and the way they go about things but you know do your girls play multiple sports and how have you tried to juggle those things yeah they play a couple different sports they want to do gymnastics next year which would be new for me but i'm all for it if if they're excited about it um they do play soccer i think they're wired totally differently um you know it's amazing you can have one child so different from another (laughs) child Um, But I think for me, what I focus on with both of them is that they get to be a part of a team and they get to gain self-confidence from that and they get to learn a lot of life skills through sport. And if at the end of the day, they're also going to be really good at soccer, that's awesome. But I think the first part is more important to me Mm -hmm. because, you know, I grew up and I had lots of friends who played sports and didn't play sports and and now as an adult i still keep in touch with a lot of those friends and they all have wonderful lives yeah and some of them were division one athletes and (laughs) some of them weren't so at the end of the day that's a wonderful experience for a child to have but i think i value more what we can learn from sport than the actual how successful or, or what level is a child going to be able to make it to yeah so when when you do get kids that want to play in college or you know are on that path and they're in high school you know what advice would you give to them about finding the right program or the right school or what are conversations that you're having with as you're at recruiting trying to help girls figure out you know where they want to play yeah i mean i think you're you're looking at a lot of different components when you look at a school you're looking at 
the coaching staff, you're looking mm-hmm. at what academic programs does the school offer? Where Where is it? Is it close to my family or far away? Can my family come see my games? Right. Um, and I think paying attention to, to the other kids that are on the team and is that a group that I could see myself mm-hmm. fitting in really well with and thriving in. Um, so I think those are some of the things that are going to help hopefully guide young players as they make decisions to be part of college programs. Um, it can't just be about the big locker rooms. Right. Yeah. What are, what are you, what challenges do you see as a college coach with parents in the process? You know, do you feel like some are overstepping or how do you evaluate parents as part of that process? If at all, you know, are you paying attention to, you know, their, um, how, heavily involved they are in the whole process? I think the biggest problem I see is just unrealistic parents. Yeah. So I think parents that want their daughter to look at a school that that child probably, it's not going to be a good fit from that for them level-wise. And so is that then going to be a good experience for that young athlete? Probably not. So I think right. it's an unrealistic evaluation of your child's athletic ability. Yeah. Um, And I think the parents that can be realistic and see their child for what they're great at and what they maybe need to improve on, then those parents are going to identify the right places that they can really thrive at the next level. Yeah. When you you played in college, you got to play for a female coach, um, and you mentioned that there are more – that's happening more and more. Talk about why that's so important for girls to have coaches – that are women coaching them? Yeah, I I mean, obviously there are men totally equipped to coach women and women equipped to coach women, but I think the value that having females on your staff adds is that component of, wow, I can really look up to someone that I'm playing for and see what she's doing and see that she can be a mom and that she can be a coach and she can do all these things and she can run a program right and i want to do that so i think it's offering that piece that's role models i think it's you know i i as a female i did what they're doing i played division one soccer i went through the challenges of that as a female and i think can relate really well to the athletes that i coach so i think i think it's just great to have more females in the game and you know, we have an all-female staff. Yeah. I've always had an all-female staff. Um, they're awesome. Has that been something that you've made sure? Or is that something that just happened and you're like, oh, this this works? Or was it something that you are making sure that, it, no, this is the way it's going to be? I mean, I feel like it's my responsibility to give females opportunities to stay in the game. Yeah. And they have to That's be great. great coaches also. Right, right. Yeah. But I believe we have that. Yeah. So I, I think – for me, it's something I'm passionate about. I, I think our team loves that they play for female coaches. Mm-hmm. I think they see us having lives outside of coaching, and and it just sends them the right message yeah. that women can do anything they want to do. Yeah. So we we really have embraced that. That's great. And you you've been coaching, you know, really consistently for over 20 years now. Um, what do you do personally to get better as a coach yeah I think I read a lot of books I go to conventions I watch other coaches sessions I look online I think we're constantly looking for ways to evolve and ways to improve our staff and improve our team so certainly um, those professional development opportunities are Mm -hmm. 
are big deals for us. There's, I think um, we had a What Drives Winning conference that came in that we were able to go to because it was at the University of Chicago. Um, I think I've sat on panels with Positive Coaching Alliance where I'm getting to not only be part of a panel, but to learn from the other panelists. So I know we we talked about Brian McBride earlier, who I love. And sitting on a panel with him was really fun for me because I got to learn from his answers. Mm -hmm. And so I think... As long as we can have open ears and and listen and make sure we know we can learn from anyone. I was you. You've been on a couple panels for PCA. One including um, Pat Fitzgerald up at Northwestern. Um, sat down and did a podcast with him a couple weeks ago that'll come out later this summer. But we talked about developing assistant coaches, and you know he Northwestern football team had a very you know. It was like the record for how long his staff has stayed intact. And it's that combination of wanting to give them opportunities and responsibilities to grow and move up if they want to, but also keeping the continuity. So what are things that you do with your assistants to try to bring them along as a coach that hopefully if they want to eventually go on and be a head coach, you feel like you've prepared them for that as well? Yeah, I think for me, it's all about giving them responsibility and letting them run things and you know they run sessions for our team they get to actively coach they get to have a big say in recruiting and scholarship offers and I think we try to have that approach within our staff so that they feel like they're really adding value to the program so I think you know Michelle's been with me for 10 years as my associate head coach and then Rachel just joined our staff last year but she also played for me at DePaul so So. she kind of feels like she's been here forever (laughs) um but what's been exciting is Rachel's been new, but she's been able to come in and run sessions and do an awesome job, and our team's really receptive to her. But I think she's also really excited that she gets to do those things, and yeah. I think hopefully that keeps our staff feeling like, you know, I get to do a lot, and I'm adding value, and it's a rewarding place for me. Yeah. So we're about a month and a half away from your next year's team coming back. How do you, how do you keep your culture consistent or do you feel like culture shifts with each year's team or what are things that you try to do that to keep the continuity or at least make sure that, you know, people know what they're coming into. And even though personalities are changing, people are changing. How do you balance that? Yeah. I mean, I think we rely a lot on the leaders of our team to establish the culture every year. I think we have core values that are really important to our program that we feel like every team has, whether that's, you know, we feel like we're a really blue collar team that right. does the work. That's one of our core values. So I think we recruit kids that we know fit into that piece. Um, so I think recruiting is a big part of it. And then the the leaders setting the tone and our staff setting the tone about what our expectations are every year. But some of that comes with the recruiting piece and making sure we do the work as a staff to make sure anyone we're bringing into our program is going to fit with our chemistry and fit with our core values and um, be able to really come in and, and do well in our setting and in our environment. Got it. That's great. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up the podcast here with um, our five questions that we do. We're actually going to have a bonus sixth question about the World Cup. But um, five question quick hitters. Um, this is the first question I asked Brian McBride as well. So we'll see if you oh, answer gosh, the same. Oh, gosh, his answer might have been I better. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward question. Who's the best soccer player on the planet right now? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> the best soccer player on the planet right now is Messi. All right. Well, 
same answer as Brian. So yeah. you guys, there you go. You have something in common. It must have been the panel. Uh, you guys sit next to each other. <laughs> so um, if you were not a college soccer coach, what would you be doing? And it sounds like it wouldn't be advertising. I don't think it would be advertising. <laughs> um, gosh, I love sports, so I still think I'd be maybe doing something in administration in an athletic right. department. Got it. Okay. Uh, who is a coach outside of the soccer world that you look up to? Outside of the soccer world. Let's see. Oof. Um, or somebody that you enjoy watching or learning from or trying to. I would say Doug Bruno at DePaul, yeah, yeah. our women's basketball coach. He's not a bad person to have a no. couple doors down, right? <laughs> He's awesome. So I think he, you know, I get to see him a lot around here and learn from him, and that's fun. Great. I read that you're fluent in Spanish. Oh, gosh, yes, but it's been a while since I've spoken. So, what I mean, what's your favorite phrase in Spanish? Oh, gosh. Uh, my favorite phrase, well, I studied abroad in Sevilla. Um, we always said buena gente, which means you know just a good person so okay. that was probably my favorite phrase nice before we get to the power of positive question who is your pick to win the world cup i think my pick is france okay as a fan i of course would love the usa to win yeah. but i think france is the home team and i i just we just talked about it as a staff and yeah. they're a really cohesive group a lot of them play together on the same club team and that's that's my pick we did a podcast with Danielle Slayton, and she said the U.S., but she said watch out for France and the home field advantage and all that fun stuff. So yeah. you're aligning with everybody right now. It's great. So the last question every podcast, uh, what does the power of positive mean to you when it comes to sports and coaching? I think the power of positive means to me that we can have, as coaches, such an incredible impact on the young people that we coach if we bring a positive perspective, whether that's on or off the field. So I think for me, um, you know, it's a high stakes profession coaching, mm -hmm. but we are molding the youth and setting them up for life after sports. And I think the more positive we can be and the more invested we can be in young people's lives, the better impact we're going to end up having. Great. Aaron Chastain, head women's soccer coach at DePaul University. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for all your support at PCA. Yeah, thank you very much.